Isn't Christmas an exciting time? Isn't it exciting? It's exciting. I was thinking about some things that maybe a, a young person would think about, but I, I think about these things to be exciting for myself. One thing that's very exciting about Christmas is gifts. How many like to get a gift on Christmas? Now, I just want to confess to you, I just turned 67 years old a couple weeks ago, and I still like to get toys. Okay, I do. I like toys. Don't give me, don't give me something practical like a socks or something like that. I want a toy. Uh, and so gifts can be an exciting, exciting time. Another thing that's very exciting is food. Now, I know there's food like, uh, you know, ham and turkey and, and special meals and pies, but there's something uh, that my mom used to do, and I bless her heart, she's in heaven, and uh, this will be our second Christmas without her, but something she'd do every Christmas is cook this fudge. And it wasn't the, the I call it the nasty fudge, it's all creamy. This just had the perfect texture with nuts in it. And she'd make a plate just for me every, oh, <laughs> that was so good. Something else that's good food-wise, I'm just going to say one word and see if you know what I'm talking about. Turtles. Does anybody know what a turtle is? Oh, you can get in trouble with turtles. I, if I confess, too, uh, some reason they'd always give my dad a bunch of boxes of turtles, and uh, somehow I ended up eating a lot of them. He didn't even, he didn't get to eat too many turtles. Every Christmas, my sister buys me two boxes of Whoppers. You know what Whoppers are? Malted... Yeah, that's, that's food. That can be exciting. Uh, family time is also exciting, isn't it? Being able to be with family. It's always something to look forward to with your spouse. If you have kids at home or grandkids that you can watch open gifts or something, it's just uh, it's very joy to, to be around them. That's very exciting. And, of course, I know some might say tonight, well, wait a minute. Jesus is the reason for the season. How many have heard that before? I'm sure that's not the first time you've heard that. He is the reason for the season. Everybody knows that, don't they? And the trouble is a lot of people don't know that. And if you're here and you know Christ is your Savior, that's something you, you should work on at Christmas time. As you send cards out, as you talk to people, remind them about what the real meaning of Christmas is and why it's something to be excited about. The fact that you're here tonight shows that you believe that, that you think uh, you know Christ is the real excitement, the real purpose in Christmas. And I've shared a lot of Christmas messages. I was, I was sitting there trying to figure out, this is at least, I want to say, the 20th year I've preached this Christmas Eve service. It's always hard to come up with new messages, uh, something you never heard before. But I, I realized I hadn't talked about one of the most important truths of the Christmas story, uh, uh, something that's the greatest verse. And it's found in Luke chapter 2. And so I want to share, this is very exciting to me, and it should be exciting to all of us here tonight. In verse 11, it says this, uh, uh, speaking to the, the shepherd, says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And what's very exciting was that the Savior was born, and Jesus is the Savior. Uh, it's interesting, Luke 19, verse 10 it says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Why did Jesus come? It wasn't just to be born in Bethlehem. He came so he might provide salvation for us, for his sacrifice on the cross. And that is so exciting. He is the only way, the only hope for heaven. 
He's the only one that can save us from hell. He is the Savior. Now, the first thing I want to just describe, and I'm going to use an illustration to do that, is what is a Savior? What is a Savior? And so, uh, thinking about someone being out on a boat, and I, I, Pastor Troy's around here somewhere. He, he left him and Teresa are out on a boat, and he fell overboard, and, and, and she just took off. <laughs> <laughs> out in the middle of nowhere, she just took off on him, and he's floundering. He's been out there a long time, and he's in trouble as he really doesn't know how to swim. So he is in trouble. So a boat pulls up with this very athletic-looking guy. He says, oh, you're in trouble. Watch this. And he uh, gets on the top of the boat, jumps off, dives in, uh, backstroke. He does the backstroke. Now, freestyle, the butterfly, the breaststroke. He shows him all these strokes, and he gets back on the boat and says, now, if you do that, you'll be saved. And he drives off. Pastor Troy, oh, blub, blub, he's, he's going under. <laughs> and then another boat pulls up with another person in it, and he says, oh, you're in trouble there. Uh, listen to this, and he whips out a book, 10 Easy Lessons on How to Swim, and he starts to teach. He says, now, this is what you do, and he it goes through the lesson perfectly, and he says, now, if you do that, you'll be saved, and drove off and left him. So here comes another, another person. Another person says, this man's in trouble. So he grabs him and pulls him onto the boat. He pulls him on the boat and starts driving to the shore. About halfway there, he really doesn't like Pastor Troy's attitude. Doesn't seem very appreciative. Doesn't seem thankful enough. So he grabs him and throws him over the boat and, and, and leaves. And then finally we have a person drives up. He sees this dilemma. Puts him in the boat drives him all the way to the shore, and puts his feet on the shore. Now, who really saved him? It was the last guy. The first guy was a great example of, about how to swim, but he didn't save him. And the second guy was a great teacher, taught him a great lesson on how to swim, but he didn't save him. Third guy was, I guess you could call him a probation officer. As long as you behave yourself, I'll save you. But the last guy saved him, took him all the way to the shore. We need to understand about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. Now, he was a great example, the greatest example that ever lived, that we should try to live like Christ lived. And he was the greatest teacher that ever lived. He was. He was a tremendous teacher. But it, he came to save us. Not just to teach us, but to save us. He didn't come to be a probation officer either. He came to save us and take us all the way to the shore. That's what makes him a savior. Because he'll save us and take us all the way to heaven. I don't know about you, but that's exciting. I want a savior that's going to save me and take me all the way to, to heaven. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is something to be very excited about. Are you excited about it tonight? Y'all awful still. I always say, it, it, people probably been eating a bunch of stuff today, and it's dark in here, <laughs> and you're sitting awful still. But he's the Savior. Secondly, we want to, want to just share this. He's the only Savior. Amen. He's the only Savior. There's a couple of verses I know you're familiar with in the Bible. Jesus himself said, I am the way 
the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He, he's claiming the only way to heaven, the only way you can uh, find forgiveness of sins is through him. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. So those two verses are, are saying the only Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, it's a very interesting verse in Isaiah 53. And it's Isaiah, not 53, but 43. Uh, in verse 10, it says, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Verse 11, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. There's no Savior beside the Lord Jesus Christ. This actually is a great verse to demonstrate Jesus was God in the flesh. Because it said Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Luke 2.11 is born a Savior. Talking about Jesus. Here God himself says, beside me there is no Savior. Is that a contradiction? Of course it is not. Because Jesus was God in the flesh. But Jesus is the only Savior. You know, some people think the church they go to, or if you want to say the denomination, will save them. They think, well, uh, being a Baptist will save me. Going to a Baptist church will save me. Uh, but being a Baptist is not a savior. Uh, a Methodist, a Presbyterian, Episcopalian, a Roman Catholic. You could go on and on. Any kind of list or denomination uh, Wonderful, someone's going to church, but a denomination wasn't born in Bethlehem, and there's only one Savior, and that's Jesus. It's only Jesus. No list of rules or way of life was born in Bethlehem. Did you ever think about that? The Ten Commandments weren't born in Bethlehem. The Ten Commandments are a great way to try to live, but they're not the Savior. There's only one, and that's Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. Uh, no good work, no uh, good deed. By the way, is it good to do good? Well, that's why it's called good works. You know, we ought to try to live good and right, but being, uh, good works are not the Savior. Jesus is the Savior, and he's the only Savior. Uh, really, the truth of the matter is that some people make themselves their Savior. And, you know, everybody has a Savior. Atheists has a Savior. You know what their Savior is? That their, their intellect, that they figured it out. There is no God. They're, they're trusting their intellect to save them. Um, everybody has a Savior, but there's only one that's true, true and real, and that's the Jesus Christ. Beside me, there is no Savior. That's what God's statement. And uh, all those things that we said were not born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. I want to do an illustration for you. Uh, please bear with me. I have to move some stuff. And uh, I apologize, too, if you can't see this. I'm going to go as close to the edge of the stage as I can get. And so if I fall off, please don't laugh at me. I got these two chairs here. And I want to do a little illustration just to try to make it clear again about what Christ has done for us. So... You wonder why I'm doing it on this side for you people over there? They gave me $20 to do it on this side. So, okay, we have two chairs here. And this chair right here, we're going to let that represent um, 
majority of the world. I'm going to sit here, and the majority of the world uh, thinks this. Well, uh, if I go to church, that'll get me to heaven. Can you see me there? I see you leaning over. I'm sorry. I'll try to lean. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe I'll trust some good works. Trust uh, acts of charity. Trust being water baptized. Trust keeping the Ten Commandments. And they're, they're putting their trust in that to save them. In a sense, they're making those things their Savior. And we'll, we'll say that those, are th those are them that sit in this chair. But the trouble is, all those things aren't the Savior. And they're trusting in something that will never get them to heaven. You can, they could be very sincere. Maybe you're here tonight and you're very sincere about those things. But none of those things can save you because they're not the Savior. And so they're, they're here. Now this chair here is, we'll call it the chair of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, those that sit in this chair and put their trust in Jesus as their Savior, they, they're saved. Because the Savior saves you and takes you all the way to heaven. Jesus Christ is the Savior. And he says, if we understand that we cannot save ourselves, uh, and that we're sinners and we owe a debt to God, but that Jesus came and paid that debt for us and paid our way to heaven through his sacrifice on the cross. And he died on the cross and was buried and rose again to prove that he was exactly who he claimed to be and that our sins were paid for. And those that put their trust, their faith in Christ to save them and their trust in Christ, that he, he will be their savior. He will save them and take them all the way to the shore. Now, uh, the Bible says there's really this, these two groups in the world. John 3, 18 says, He that believeth is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So either someone has, is trying to be their Savior, the ones here, I'm trying to save myself by whatever activity or thing I can do, or those who I'm trusting Christ. He's the Savior, and I'm going to trust him to save me. Now, I want you to look at this, the most important part of this illustration. Here is what a lot of people in the world do, because they're very much for Jesus, but this is what they'll try to do. They'll try to be right here. I'm going to trust Jesus, but I'm also going to trust my goodness. They're trying to help Jesus save them. Does Jesus need help saving no, because he's the Savior, and he'll save us and take us all the way to the shore. They'll try to trust Jesus plus church membership. Jesus plus I promise God to do something. Jesus plus I give money. Whatever it is, they're trying to help Jesus save them, and, and that is not salvation. When, if we want to be saved, what we need to do is trust the Savior and, and realize there's nothing we can do to help him. He did everything necessary for us to go to heaven. His last words on the cross is, it is finished. There's no other work to be done. There's no help that Jesus needs. And so I encourage you tonight, maybe you're here and you're, you feel like, well, I'm, I'm going to trust Christ to save me, but I also want to trust the fact that I was baptized. Or you just name the good thing you want to put in there. And again, they might be very good things, but if you want to be saved, you need to trust the Savior. You know who the Savior is? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Now, that is exciting, isn't it? That a Savior was born, we need one. We, we can't save ourselves. We can't help God save our, us. 
we need, we need a Savior. And it's exciting because the fact that Jesus came to be our Savior shows that God loves us, that He cares for us. And if you're here tonight, He wants you to be saved if you're not. And He did something about it when He came 2,000 years ago, was born in Bethlehem. And who was born there? Not a church, not a denomination, not yourself, but it was Jesus who was born. And that is exciting, exciting thing about the Christmas story. Lastly, I just want to share this, and this is good too, that he, he wants to be your Savior. Jesus wants to be your Savior. Remember, that's why He came. He came to be a Savior. He came to sa seek and save that which was lost. That's why he was born. He loves you that much. It's Christmas time. How many like gifts? We said that at the beginning. We have gifts. You know, God wants to give some, someone here a gift, maybe. He wants to give you a gift. Maybe you've already received this gift, and the gift is eternal life. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the gift that God wants to give you. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation is a gift, a gift. Um, if someone had handed you a gift, like say tonight or tomorrow, what do you have to do to get it? You, what do you do? You just what? You just take it from them, right? You, you don't, don't yank it. That's, that's tacky, okay? You just take the gift and say thank you, you, you and you just receive it. Uh, by the way, it, it, would it be right to take the gift and then go get your wallet? Here, let me give you some money for that. That wouldn't be appropriate either. You just need to receive the gift. How do you receive the gift of eternal life? The fact that Jesus wants to be your Savior, John 1, 12. He came to his own, his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them, get ready, this is how you receive the gift. Even to them that believe on his name. Amen. All you have to do is believe in Christ. Now, don't misunderstand. You don't believe Christ existed. The word believe means to trust and to rely upon. So if you, if you realize, I am a sinner. And because I'm a sinner, I owe a debt to God. And I can't pay that debt by any good thing that I could do but I believe Jesus paid that debt for me. And I believe that he is God's son who died on the cross to, to, to shed his blood to pay for all my sins. And, and the best know-how, I'm going to trust him to be my savior. You put your trust, your confidence, not in a church, not in yourself. I'm going to trust Christ. Why? Because he is the savior. And a savior will save you and take you all the way to heaven. And that's who Jesus is. Have you ever received the free gift of eternal life? A quick illustration. We're almost done. And uh, uh, this, this is an illustration that's shared often from here. Um, I'm going to do it with my hands. I'm going to let this hand represent everyone in this room. I'm going to let my wallet represent the things we do wrong. The Bible calls the things we do wrong what? Sin. I'm going to place this on us to show where we're all sinners. That's just being honest, isn't it? We've all done things wrong. No, nobody's perfect. We've all sinned. And most people, most people talk to, I, I do want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell when I die. I want to go to heaven. And so 
the people, a lot of them that sit in this chair, they'll do a lot of good things. I'll go to church, I'll behave myself, I'll be kind to my neighbor, I won't kick my dog, whatever you want to say. They do all kinds of things to try to be good enough. And there's nothing wrong with doing good stuff, but guess what's still there? Sin. Now the good news is that God loves us. How do you know God loves us? Well, he sent Jesus to be our Savior. He died on the cross for you and I because he loves us. He says, I love you, I hate your sin, because his sin separates us from God. Heaven's perfect, we're not. So let this hand represent Jesus. He came to the earth 2,000 years ago, the Christmas story. He's born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a perfect life, and then he allowed his own creation to nail him to a cross. And he died there and shed his blood there. And while he hung there, God took our sins that we should have paid for, and he put them on Christ. And he died, and he paid for our sins, and he rose again. Now, here we are. Our sins are all paid for. What do we do? We, we still need a Savior, even though our sins are paid for. How many know John 3.16? I call that the teenager-proof text verse. Anything in our Christian school? Hey, what, how do you show that? John 3.16. They, they love that verse because it is so clear. Here it is. Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, Jesus wants to be your Savior, but he's not going to make you trust in him. He wants you to choose to do so. Have you ever chose to put your faith in Christ and trust him as your only hope for heaven? And if you will, he will save you. And that's, if you know that already, isn't that an exciting thing to think about at Christmas time? If you've never trusted Christ, why not do that even tonight? Put your trust in Christ as your only hope for heaven. There's no greater gift that you could receive than leaving this place knowing where you're going to spend eternity. You know, you know, mentioned earlier tonight, you know, some of the things that are exciting about Christmas and and, and maybe you're here and you know Christ and it's just not an exciting Christmas. Your family's gone, uh, they've, they've gone on to heaven and, and you feel all alone and, you, and it can be very frustrating. You know what a great thing to do at Christmas time, if you feel that way, think about not yourself and what you're missing. Think about others. You know what others need to hear? That a Savior was born. What can I do as a, someone who knows Christ, what can I do to get that message out? to people, uh, my neighbors, to the people I know at work, to my family, and that'll make Christmas a great Christmas for you. Do you know Christ is your Savior? The most exciting thing in the whole world is that Jesus came to, to save us. He came to be our Savior. And always remember this, someone who's truly a Savior will save you and take you all the way to the shore, and that's exactly what Jesus will do. He'll save you and take you all the way to heaven. Let's bow for a word of prayer, and we'll wrap it up tonight. Again, um, exciting time at Christmas. A lot of things to be excited about, and I hope you can be and will be excited about all those things at Christmas that we enjoy. But never forget, the most exciting news is that Jesus came, and he is the Savior, and he will save us. He will give us eternal life. Maybe you're here, and you've never put your trust in Christ alone. Maybe you've been trusting Christ plus something else to get you to heaven. Let me encourage you. Jesus doesn't need any help. He doesn't need help saving you. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves or help save ourselves. 
What we need to do is trust the Savior. That's who Jesus is. And maybe you hear you've never trusted Christ alone to save you. Never put your faith in him as your only hope for heaven. And you can do that before you leave tonight. Uh, you, can, you can settle that right in your seat in the quietness of your mind. God knows your thoughts. You don't have to pray out loud. But if, if you'd like to trust Christ as your Savior, why not say something like this to God tonight? God, I, I don't understand anything, everything, but I know I'm a sinner. And I know I can't save myself. But I believe Jesus died for me. And I believe he paid the debt of my sin. And he rose from the dead. And right now, just the best know how, I'm, I'm trusting Jesus to be my Savior. I'm trusting Jesus as my only hope for heaven. If you've never done that before, I encourage you to trust Christ. How once again, God, I'm a sinner. But I believe Jesus died for me, and I, he paid for my sins. And right now, I'm trusting him as the Savior, as God's Son who died for me. And um, I'm trusting Christ and Christ alone as my only hope for heaven. And if you've never done that, I, I encourage you to do that tonight. If you have questions about that, I, I'd be glad to talk to you after the service. But... Uh, if you're here and you do know Christ, remember, we all know Jesus is the reason for the season, but let's proclaim the most exciting news about all that, that he came to be our Savior and that he will save you and take you all the way to shore. Let's, let's let other people know that truth. Father in heaven, we do thank you so much for tonight. We thank you that you loved us enough despite the fact that we're sinners that you sent Jesus to die for us and pay a, a, the penalty for our sin. We are so grateful for that truth. And we just ask, uh, if someone's here, uh, Father, just, uh, that doesn't know Christ, that you would just work in their heart and help them understand exactly who Jesus is. And he is the Savior of the whole world. It doesn't matter uh, what your past is. Uh, where you're at in life right now, he will save you if you'll put your trust, they'll put their trust in Christ. Uh, thank you again for everybody that came out. Father, help them have a blessed uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Uh, encourage each one here. Father, we're just so thankful for them. I ask you to bless them. And we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.